This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are now moving on to um, number four. Number four, on the 13 principles of faith. The only one who it's fit to pray to is Hashem. The only one it's fit to pray to is Hashem. The only power in the world that we can talk to and ask for things is Hashem. Hashem. So this is one of the principles of faith. Hashem is the one we speak to. Hashem is the one who can help us. And that's a very, very important concept, a Jewish concept, that Hashem is the only power in the world that can help us. So, David Amel says, Don't trust in Nedivim, powerful people. And people who themselves cannot help themselves. Why put your trust in people who cannot help themselves and uh, instead of putting your trust in God? So trust in God is number one. And we pray straight to Hashem. A person has troubles in their lives. The reason why we have troubles is Hashem wants to hear from us. Right? He wants to hear from us. That's a very interesting point. If you look at the Chumash, all the matriarchs were barren except for Leah. Leah had other problems. She was praying all the time. She didn't want to marry Esau. But all the matriarchs are barren. Why Hashem wants to hear their prayers. All the, all the troubles we have in our lives, we have to put it down to this fact. Hashem wants to hear our prayers. So who is more blessed? The person with troubles or the person with no, no troubles? Troubles. Yeah. It's hard to say. It's hard to say that troubles are very important. Because without troubles, the person say, I don't need God. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do these things. The troubles cause us to okay. uh, pray and increase our awareness, increase our connection to Hashem. The troubles cause us to increase our connection to Hashem because there's no one else to ask for anything. There's no one else to talk to. So that's a very important principle of faith, that there's nothing else to talk to. There's no one else to talk to. There's no other power in the world who can help us except for God. So how do we relate to God? So the first three of the principles of faith tell us who is God. What do we believe about God? So we know there is a God. We know there's one God. We know that God has no body. But now how do we relate to Him? How do we relate to God? And the answer is, we relate to Him because we need Him. We need God more than He needs us. He doesn't need us. We need Hashem. Why do we need Hashem? Because we have so many needs. Hashem gives us everything we need. He's our mother and our father and our grandfather and our great-grandfather. He's everything. Hashem is everything. So it's one of the uh, the fourth principle of faith is how do we relate to Hashem? So there's a big danger over here. And this danger is based on the fact that Hashem is the creator of the whole universe. If Hashem is the creator of the universe, why should He care about me? I am so small, I'm like a little ant, not even an ant in God's eyes. And that was Einstein's question. Why did God create the world and He walked away? Why does He have to bother about me? Well, I'm smaller than an insect. <coughs> And the answer is, we believe. And that's one of the principles of faith. This is the principle of faith. We believe that God cares about us. That Hashem cares about every single individual. And Hashem worries about every single individual. And Hashem is concerned and listens to every single individual. Hashem knows our problems as well, more than we know our problems. Hashem can see the future problems, the past problems, and all everything we have. All the, everything is laid out in front of Hashem. And the difference is that we have the power to change things. How do we have the power to change things? Through our prayers. We can pray and change our mazal. As we talked about last time, we said, Ein mazal Yisrael. 
There's no such thing as a fixed luck for Israel. We can change our luck. We can change our mazal. We can change the plan, divine plan. We can change it. How do we change it? And the answer is by praying. We can change it. So this is a very, very fundamental. You can you imagine, without this principle of faith, there's no point praying. There's no point going to shul. There's no point praying. We believe there is a point to pray. We believe that God does listen to us. We believe that God does care. So the danger is, a person says, Hashem is so great, He doesn't care about us. He's too great. He's too far removed from us. No, He's not so far removed from us. He's far and near. Karov Hashem lechol korav. Hashem is close to all who called him. Very good. Whoever calls out to God in truth, Hashem is close to them. So a very, very important point. Hashem is far and Hashem is near. Hashem is everywhere. So Hashem is with us all the time. How? Because when we think about God, He's with us, Ramab says. You think about Him, He's there. You mention His name, He's there. Wherever you mention my name, Hashem says, I will come and bless you. You want a blessing? Just mention Hashem's name. How do you mention Hashem's name? You make a bracha. Hashem blesses you. You make a bracha, He blesses you. Amazing. And the better the bracha, the better the bracha. You get, make a nice bracha, He may bless you even better. Right? Depends What's on what a better bracha? More concentration. Slowly mention the words. Don't swallow it. Don't swallow the blessing. A lot of people swallow the blessing with the food. <laughs> you know the story of the guy he says uh, he was praying Shemun when he finishes Shemun the rabbi comes to him and says he says hi rabbi he says so what's going on I talked to you nicely why you talk to me nicely he says I'll talk to you the way you talk to Hashem you say to Hashem I talk to you like that that's the way I talk to you so he says rabbi it's not the same listen when I talk to Hashem it's like a child talks to the mother the, mo- the baby says meh and the mother knows that baby's his diaper needs to be changed, needs some food. Not the same thing. So the rabbi said, you want to be a baby all your life? <laughs> when are you going to grow up and talk nicely? So it's very important how we talk to Hashem. But to say a bracha, every word should be a pearl. Every word should be a pearl. But it says a bracha, but it's praying. Every word should be enunciated properly. Because every word is important. Every word adds up. We have to really not just mutter and go very fast. A person's got to say every single word aloud and well and hear every single word. It's very, very important. And it's good that other people hear the bracha as well. The, the rabbis would never said a bracha unless someone was there to say amen. That's a chumrah. You can say a bracha with no one there. There's no problem. But uh, the rabbis, some rabbis were very cautious. They wouldn't say a bracha unless someone was there to say amen. And the person who says Amen gets more reward than the person who makes the bracha. Why is that? Why is that? Because the answer is, because the person who says, says a bracha has to say a bracha. The person who says Amen doesn't have to say Amen. So he's doing it voluntarily, and he is affirming, he's putting the seal of authority on the bracha. So I say a bracha, but there's no one there to put a seal of authority. Amen. Amen is Amen. It's true. Person says it's true. They get more reward than the person saying it's the bracha. It's interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So Hashem is above us. So a person says, if Hashem is above us, He doesn't care about me. If He doesn't care about me, why should I pray to Him? Mm-hmm. And that's why you have another religion, right? That God cannot relate to human beings. He has to go through His Son. You know which religion that is? Christianity. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Judaism. But Judaism says, no, God relates to us directly. You don't need any intermediaries. You don't have to go through His Son, not His daughter, not the Holy Ghost, not this holy thing. No. You go through God direct. He goes to Hashem straight, straight to Hashem. Very, very powerful. 
is a very, very powerful idea. So even though God is so great, He's great, but He's close. The imminence of God. God is there. Hashem is with us every second of the day. Hashem is in our minds. Hashem can read our thoughts. And that's the big difference. And the, the pagans couldn't understand that. They couldn't understand how God, who is so great and created everything, can be so close to us. You have to go through the sun, you have to go through the moon, you have to go through the stars. No, you don't have to go through anything. Hashem is with us all the time. And that's what Nefesh HaChaim says. Rav Chaim says, a person can feel they can't have a relationship with Hashem, so they look for substitutes. Okay? People look for substitutes because they feel, Hashem is too great, I can't. Even though they believe in Hashem, it's strange. I believe in God, but I don't believe God pays attention to me. I need something to relate to. That's how paganism started, that's how other religions started. So we believe, no, this is the fourth principle of faith, we believe that Hashem is not just great, but also He is with us. And we can talk to him, and we can pray to him, and we can speak to him. And uh, David Abelah says in Tehilim, Mi Hashem Who is like our God? Who comes down to see us. Hashem wants a relationship for us. According to the Goyim, it says, Hashem is too high away. And David Abelah says, But for us, he's low. Because we believe he's low. We believe that we can speak to him. So, okay. So, okay. Uh, okay. The, the, the song. We talk about his greatness and his kingship. But uh, the greatness of the kingship is that his, the ability to know what's going on down below. You know, the story is that Shlomo Melech once a year would dress up as a, as a poor person and wander around his kingdom to hear what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Which is a very smart move. The king would go around and find out what really is going on, what people think about him, how people are handling the situation, what's going on in his kingdom. Otherwise, he doesn't know. He's relying on spies, relying on third parties, who knows they're telling the truth. So he would wear just in disguise and go and wander around. And that's how he found out. So Hashem is with us all the time. Hashem knows what's going on exactly. Hashem is not far removed from us. That's a very powerful belief. It's a very, very powerful belief. Okay, so that's a beautiful concept that we pray to God. Hashem listens to us. And uh, even though He's great, He comes down to us. So the Anim Amin over here focuses exclusively on the Tefillah. um, Whereas... (coughs) Whereas the Rambam in his Perish uh, Mishnayot, he says that Hashem is the exclusive one to serve. There's no one else to serve but Hashem. So one of the Animami has changed it. The only one to pray to is Hashem. The Rambam says the only one to serve is Hashem. And that became, that was a Sephardic, that's the difference between the Sephardic Animami and the Ashkenazi Animami. <laughs> the Ashkenazi Animami is the fourth one, is there's no one else to pray to but Hashem. And the Sephardic Animami is based on the Rambam. There's no one else to serve but Hashem. But how do we serve Hashem? By praying to Him. So it's the same thing, really. It's, it's broader. It's not just prayer. It's also whatever we do. How we do. How a person we does mitzvot, a person does other things to serve Hashem. It's not just tefillah. We're going to talk about tefillah. So the greatest form of avadah is tefillah. The greatest form of avadah is tefillah because we learn it from the idea of avadah shebalev. Service of the heart is tefillah. But there's other kinds of service. I'm not serving God with my heart. I'm serving God with my hands. How do you serve Hashem with your hands? I write a mezuzah, I put it on the door, that's my hands. Service of the heart is the tefillah. So there are other ways of serving Hashem, and therefore that's the difference between these two different variants of this fourth uh, 
the fourth belief? Is it a belief that we believe there's no one else to pray to, or a belief that there's no one else to serve? Which is similar. Like parrots, our subservience is demonstrated by our dependence. The children show their subservience to their parents, they just don't realize it. Every time they ask their parents for something, they're showing that they are subservient. Mm-hmm. It's very strange because then they don't, they don't really think about that. <laughs> and they think they know more, but they're asking for something. It's dichotomy. People don't get it. Right? If I'm asking someone for a favor, that means they, they have more than I have. If they have more than I have, I should be subservient to them. But not think I know more than them and I'm better than them. That's the trouble. Kids think I'm better than them and I'm more than them, but I still need a favor. <laughs> and they have Obi. They owe me. Wrong. You don't know anything. <laughs> so, like parents, so by see, being subservient to Hashem and be, by showing our dependence to Hashem, we are subservient to Hashem. So we serve Hashem by doing all the mitzvot, but in tefillah we show we are reliant on Hashem. Tefillah shows we are reliant. When I do a mitzvah, I'm not reliant. I'm doing the mitzvah for Hashem. I'm not relying on Hashem. But when I'm praying to Hashem, I show I'm relying on Hashem. That's a big difference. So relying on Hashem is the service. The service is to show I rely on Hashem. So many things are translated or mistranslated in Lashon HaKodesh. So saying prayer is not really a, a good justice to the word tefillah. What does tefillah mean? Um, so prayer is the, derived from the Latin word precarious. Something you achieve through petition. To pray means Please. Pray means please, as we're asking for something. When a lawyer submits a brief, it's called a prayer of relief. Okay? When you refer to tefillah as prayer, it means you need to ask for something. Uh, Rabbi Samson Hovashav says, no, tefillah comes with palel. Lit palel comes with the word palel, which is synonymous with thought. Right? How do we know this? The Torah says so. The Torah says, when Yaakov saw Yosef, Yaakov says, but Yomer Yisrael, well, don't forget Yaakov's name was changed to Yisrael. I just read the parasha. But Yaakov's name was changed, but it can be changed backwards and forwards. Yaakov is different from Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu was changed to Av- Avraham, became Avraham. You're not allowed to say Avraham anymore. That's it. His name was changed. Yaakov's name was changed to Yisrael, but it can be reversed. Yaakov and Yisrael. How do we know? Because Hashem sometimes calls him Yisrael, and Hashem sometimes calls him Yaakov. Later on, Hashem calls him Yaakov, Yaakov, in his dream. Later on, Yaakov. So we see that he can, he can refer to Yaakov as Israel and Yaakov. We talked about yesterday how Yaakov has two aspects. When he's, a, uh, when he's a great, he's called Israel. When he's low, he's called Yaakov. So, so interesting. So Yaakov says, when he sees Yosef, See your face again, I never thought. I never thought I would see your face. So we see the word palel means to think. To think. Palel means to think. Lit palel is not just to pray. Lit palel means to Thanks. think. Ah, big difference. Big difference. Big difference. So machshava is thought. Okay. So when a person has to think when they're praying, it's not just enough to say the words. That's why it's very, very important to think. Why? Because our thoughts are where our neshama is. A, a prayer without thoughts is like a body without a soul. Wow. Most of us, unfortunately, it's so hard to put your thoughts in your prayer. That's the avodah. The avodah, the hard part of tefillah, is not to say the words. The hard part of tefillah is to put your head inside the words. 
the thought should be in the words. That's the hard part of tefillah. That's the service of God. The service of God is putting your head in the tefillah. So, you know, if if you say a prayer which is from your heart, you don't need to put your head in the The, the heart is there. The prayer is coming from your heart. Mm-hmm. So in times of emergencies, a person's thoughts are with their prayers because they pray with all their heart. But it's not time of emergency. It's time to pray in the synagogue or whatever it is. We're using the siddur. And the hardest part of the siddur is put your head inside the siddur. Say the words, remove the lips. But that's the body moving. But where's the head? And the head is where the neshama is. The soul has got to be in your prayer. For the prayer to go up, the soul's got to be inside the prayer. And that's the hard part of the prayer. That's the avodah. The avodah shabalev is putting your heart inside it. Excuse me, you said the head. What about your heart? Well, synonymous. The head and the heart are synonymous. Because today we know that the heart is just a part of your body, but it doesn't really think. But when it says, when the rabbis talk about the heart, when the Torah says the heart, it's talking about the mind. Rambam says. Rambam says the heart is synonymous with the mind. So even the Torah says, serve God with all your heart. It's the heart, is the mind. Because there's different parts of the mind. There's the intellect part of the mind. Uh, and then there's the emotional part of the mind. So the heart is more the emotional part of the mind. You love someone with all your heart. That's the emotional part of your mind, right? So there's the intellect and the so both. The person's going to serve God with both sides, with the intellect and the emotions, which is very hard to do. For women, it's probably easier for the emotions, and for the men, it's probably easier for the intellect. But it's very hard to put both the intellect and the emotions into service of God. It's very hard to put both the intellect and the emotions into service of God. Or it depends where you come from. Sorry, countries, they're all emotions. Ashkenazi guy very intellectual, so it's very hard to combine the two, the, the intellect and the emotions. And that's why service of God is like an orchestra. Because the way you serve God is not the way I serve God. You serve God with your emotions, I serve God with my intellect, you serve God with your intellect, I serve God with my emotions. We need that orchestra. Hashem wants the orchestra. It's, everyone serves God in their own way. As long as you're trying your best. As long as you're trying your best to put whatever's in your head, your emotions or your intellect, into the prayers into the tefillah. It's got to be part of the tefillah. And it's so hard to do. That is the hard... I'm, I'm telling you, it's so hard to... I'm telling you from my experience. I'm trying my best. It's so hard to do. It's elusive. It's like Yaakov fighting the angel. That's exactly... When you pray, you're fighting the angel right now. Why? Because the angel is trying to block your thoughts and it's amazing how successful they are. And where is the biggest yetzirah in the first paragraph? Because the Shukran says the main part of the tefillah is the first paragraph. And you'll see, I'm trying my best. First paragraph. And before you know it, it's over. And then you say, did I have cover now or not? Mm-hmm. So fast. It's over before you know it. And then you have to think about it. Did I have cover now? So repeat it again. Repeat in your thoughts. You're allowed to say it again loud, but you repeat in your thoughts. Think about it. Think in your thoughts. This way at least you do some thought in it. So it's very hard to pray with cover now. That's really the avodah. Is the work of the heart, which is praying with Kavanah. So, a person really needs God, but you have an emergency situation, need God, you, pray, you pray with Kavanah because you need it. There's nothing else you can do. You have to pray. But a person says, right now, you know, everything's going well, thank God. Thank God everything's going well. So, prays automatically. It's like an automatic tefillah. It's always good. A person should never say, since I don't have my Kavanah, I'm not going to pray. No. There's a very famous teshuva, the Benish Chai. Benish Chai got a teshuva. I saw it. It's amazing. It's the first teshuva he wrote in Rav Pe'alim. He has a book of questions and answers from all over the world in those days. Uh, the world was really the East, the Far East. 
the Iraqis, the Iraqi Jews moved to the Far East. So you get questions from Singapore, from India, from uh, Thailand, from Bangkok. Amazing, exotic places you get the questions. So one of the questions was, if I cannot concentrate, is it still worth praying? Of course. He said, of course. We don't know the power of a prayer, even without Kavanah. Right. How much more so the prayer is Kavanah, of course, is a thousand times more powerful. But even a prayer without Kavanah is... So it's very, very powerful, very important. Why? Because it shows that I believe. When you're praying, you're showing I believe, not just that God created, but I believe that God is, interferes. I believe God is powerful, and I believe God is listening. So it's showing a lot about your belief system. When you pray to God, even if you're praying with, them, with no covenant of the prayer, but your fact is you pray to God, that's a big thing already. I, I recognize God. I know there's a God. I believe in one God. It's, it's showing a lot of different things. And that's why it's so powerful. So Palel Rav of Samson Polishev says is to think. So there's another, another pasuk in the, in the Torah. The Torah says, um, when it comes to the story of, uh, in Mishpatim, Pasha Mishpatim, it says uh, that, remember, the two men are fighting, the woman walks in between, and she's pregnant, or whatever, something happens. So the Torah says, He will give with flilim. What's flilim? Flilim is judgment. So with Palel is also judgment. What's with Palel? Self-judgment. Mm-hmm. When I'm praying to God, I'm judging myself in a sense. Am I worthy or am I not worthy? I need this, but am I worthy or not? Worthy. So there's different parts. There's the machshava, there's the thoughts a person prays. There's the worthiness or not worthiness. And then there's the educational process of just standing in prayer shows who we, what we believe in. I'm educating myself because the only one you can pray to is Hashem. The only one who can, you can talk to is Hashem. The only one you can ask for favors is Hashem. The only one who can answer you is Hashem. And that's why when you teach a child to pray, you're actually teaching a child very much a lot about Hashem. A child remembers who is... is a, it's amazing. So my father, unfortunately, was an orphan at the age of seven. His father passed away. He was the youngest of seven children. Or eight. I think eight children. Eight children. And uh, he was left with his, with his mother. All the other kids were older. I think four or five years older than him, so they were 11, 12, and then the other one, the oldest, the oldest were married already. And he was the youngest, so he was home with his mother, and sometimes he'd ask his mother, can I get a candy, ma? And she had no money. She says, I don't have any money, but ask Hashem. Which I think is a phenomenal answer. It's like when you tell the kid, the kid says, I want this, daddy, I want this. Okay, but I can't give it to you, I, don't, I can't afford it right now. But you know what? You have a bigger father. Go and ask Hashem. Yeah, so he says he would. One second, no, one second. Listen to the story. So he would go. She was smart. Now she don't only say pray to Hashem. She said, "Pray, put your hand on the mezuzah and pray." Now you want to give something tangible to a kid. Mm-hmm. How do you make Hashem tangible to a kid? What do we have that represents Hashem in the world? And the answer is His name, His holy name. Mm-hmm. Where's His holy name in the mezuzah? So he says. So he would take a stool, climb on the stool, <laughs> put his hand on the mezuzah. Hashem, please give me a house full of candies. <laughs> I don't know how long that lasted, but he was only seven, so he must have prayed for many years, and eventually becomes, he has the owner of a restaurant. Okay, he so has lots of candies. <laughs> then he says, I wish I prayed for something better. <laughs> so, but it's the prayers are answered, the prayers are answered. You see, look, okay, eventually, all prayers are answered eventually. The question is when, okay. Suppose going to have patience. You know the joke, it says, uh, Hashem say, and the other guy says to Hashem, he says, Hashem, what's a million dollars in your eyes? It's like a penny. Oh, give me a million dollars, what's the problem? It's like giving you a penny. He says, give me a penny. <laughs> Hashem says, wait one second. 
Now, what's a, a second in Hashem's eyes? Long time. So it's a long time, so that's it. So in a second, I'll give it to you in a second. So Hashem says, give me a penny. Ah, Hashem says, in a second, I'll give it to you. Elef shanim be'enecha kiyom el mokiyavor. What is the David Amir says? One thousand years in your eyes are like one day. So Hashem says, okay, second. One second, I'll give you a penny. It takes a long time. Hashem's second is a long second. All right. That's a joke. Okay. No, no, it's okay. Okay. So prayer means to petition but it also means please, but it also means think, it also means self-judgment. And that's the hard part of prayer. The hard part of prayer is to judge oneself. And that's why teshuva is very important, to be successful. For tefillah to be successful, a person got to do teshuva. Where do we see this? Yesterday's parasha, Yaakov, he's scared stiff of Esav. Yaakov me'od! He was very, very scared. But yet, sir, Lord, he was in pain. He was in pain. Why? Because Esau is coming with 400 men. His nightmare, the biggest nightmare was his brother. His brother, can you imagine? Your brother is your biggest nightmare. You know what that means? That's a terrible nightmare. Brother, your brother, your own brothers want to kill you. He wants to kill you. Come on. Not only that, but he's a tough guy. I mean, listen, Yaakov is also a very tough guy. Just to pull that stone from the well. Imagine, 20 shepherds around. They can't move the wall. They can't move. They can't move the stone. Yaakov comes along. You think Yaakov is weak? Yaakov is tough. Yaakov is strong. How do we know? His two of his sons destroyed the whole city. You know what that means? How strong these guys were? In fact, that's one opinion. There's one, there's one commentary that says, Esav ran away. Esav moves to Seir. Why did Esav move to Seir? When he heard what the sons of Yaakov did, he got scared. He ran away. <laughs> these Jews terrified him. All of a sudden, they're, they're tough. What happened? Anyway, Yaakov is scared. Why is Yaakov scared? Hashem promised him. Don't worry, Yaakov. Altira, Yaakov. I will be with you. Wherever you go, I'll help you. So what's he scared of? And the answer is he was scared. Rashi says, Shema garam achet. Maybe he did something wrong. Achet. Maybe something he did, he did something wrong and Hashem is going to leave him. That's what he's scared of. And that's what the Tzadikim are scared of. They're not scared of Hashem's promise. Of course, Hashem promised them. But Hashem's promise is conditional. That's the problem. It's conditional on our behavior. Because Hashem only comes to a person and stays with a person when they are doing righteous works. When, Hashem, when a person is not doing righteous works, Hashem goes away. That's it. So a person has to beg, and that's why part of the tefillah is the self-judgment. And that's why part of the tefillah is Hashiveinu Hashem Elecha Shuva, right? We pray Hashiveinu, we ask Hashem to bring us back into Shuvah, Salach Lanu, forgive us, and then we start praying for what we need. But the truth is, the first thing we pray for is Huh? Before that, the first thing we pray for. Give us brains. Brains. Very important. We need brains. We need brains. Why do we need brains? Why do we pray for brains? Why pray for knowledge? Why pray for understanding? Why pray, why pray for this? And the answer is without knowledge. It's very, it's, this is very fundamental. Because a person needs to know what their purpose in the world is. What is our purpose in the world? What are we doing over here? We're just having a good time. We're over here, Hashem put us over here to have uh, what a bagels and locks and cream cheese. I don't know. He put us over here to buy a house in Florida, move to Florida, live and play golf all our lives. I don't know. What, what is the purpose of life? Sounds good. Las Vegas. I don't know. What's the purpose of life? What do, what, do, what do people think the purpose of life? To watch a ball game? Is that the purpose of life? What is Hashem? We need brains. We need brains. We need to be able to understand the deeper things of the world. Otherwise, we're lost. This whole life is going to be wasted. It's just going to be one long waste. A person goes to the next world, they say, what do you do in your world? Huh? <laughs> Was that, would I have a mission? Did I have a purpose in the world? 
Yes, we told you about it. I didn't know. No one reminded me. Well, that's why you need brains. You know, the joke is, uh, there was an Irish policeman in New York, and he has a Jewish neighbor. He says, I can't understand. He says, how come these Jews are so smart? He says, so the, the Jewish neighbor says, it's all about the pickled herring. <laughs> it's all about pickled herring. You need to go to the store on the corner and buy pickled herring. Oh, gosh. <laughs> By the way, it was this Jewish guy, it was his cousin's store. Oh. So the Irishman is going now, every, every day he's going to buy some pickled herring, pickled herring, pickled herring. A month later he comes back. He said, tell me, he says, why did you send me to that store? That store is very expensive. I found a store that is much cheaper than him. He said, you see, it's working already. You're getting smarter. But uh, that's why brains are so important. Why are Jews so smart? The answer is, we pray for it. It's not a gift. It's not something that comes naturally. You're smart because you pray. Every day we pray. And if it doesn't come true in me, it will come true in my son. If it doesn't come true in my son, it will come true in my grandson. Halafai, they all get smarter and smarter. Baruch Hashem. So that's a very, very important, powerful thing. Why do we need brains? And the answer is, you can't pray without brains. Right? One of the things Jews denigrate is Amaretz. What's an Amaretz? An Igoremus. A Bur is even worse. En Bur Yerechet ven Amaretz Chasid. Mishnah says, a boor is the worst, lowest level. What's a boor? A boor is a person that doesn't even know how to manage in this world. He's homeless and he's workless because he can't handle work. He doesn't know how to manage the workplace. That's a boor. <laughs> he doesn't even know how to manage in his daily life, mundane life. And Amaretz, he's a farmer. He knows how to work. He just doesn't know the high points of life. doesn't know about Torah. He doesn't know about intellectual learning. That's an Amaretz. But Judaism always looked down upon that. No, it's not enough. You have to go, you have to learn. You have to be, able to, you have to be knowledgeable. You can't just be an Amaretz all your life. You have to be knowledgeable all your life. <coughs> you know, it's a beautiful story. It says there's a Russian guy who moved here from Russia. And he didn't know. He put his kid in the yeshiva. The kid comes back <laughs> the next day. He has tzitzit sticking out. And he gets a thrashing. His father gives him a thrashing. Don't you ever come back with that again. He has a, take off that yarmulke. Tell him, no, we don't want, we don't want this girl. Why you so the kid goes to Yeshiva next day. He tells, his, he tells the Rebbe, Rebbe says, I don't want to do it. My father smacked me because I was wearing a talit. So the Rebbe says, listen, you wear it again and stand by the door. If you see he's angry, just take it off. So, <laughs> so he goes to the door and uh, the father looks at him. Again, but he didn't say anything. They said, walked in this time. You know, the father slowly gets adapted. This is the way it is. He sends his kid to yeshiva. That's the way it is. The kid comes back yamulka to see it and starts saying brachot and this and that. Eventually, the father, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, the father gets uh, becomes more religious, more religious, more religious. And the son goes to yeshiva, and he writes his father a letter. This before before emails came along. He wrote his father a letter. He says, you know, the Chavetz Chaim says, how could a person die without learning Gemara? Every Jew should learn Gemara before they go. Right. So the father says, I better go and learn Gemara. <laughs> so the father starts to go to Shir. He starts yeah. learning Gemara. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's a beautiful story. It's a true story. True story. True story. It's amazing. So you see it. You see, you see these things happening. But that's why we need to have a mind. We need to have brains because you can't learn Torah without brains. And Torah is very important. It's part of, the, part of the mission. Part of the mission is learning Torah. So a person needs brains. So first thing we pray for is brains. Now when we have brains, then we realize we did things wrong. And then we can ask for teshuva. Mm-hmm. A person with no brains will never ask for teshuva. They don't know, they they don't know there's anything wrong. So they don't think about it. So that's the importance of 
brains. Brains is number one on the list. So Palel is number one is think. Number two is judge yourself. Think about what you're doing. That's what we're talking about. Think about what you're doing. Because if you don't think what you're doing, you'll never do Teshuvah. And number three is tefillah is an educational process. Because the fact that you're praying to God implies you believe in God. Very, very fundamental. You believe that God is the only one who can help you because you're praying to God. You're not praying to anyone else. You're praying to God. God can help me. He's the only one who can help me. That's even bigger belief. That's bitachon. That's tremendous bitachon, Moshe. So when you teach a child to pray, you actually teach him a lot of different things. You teach him there's a God. You teach him that God is one. You teach him that God is the one to pray to because uh, he's the only one who can help you. There's a lot of things you'll teach him about God. He's all-powerful. He can ask for whatever you want. So it's a very important idea. Tefillah is so powerful. We have to turn to Hashem for all our needs. Hashem wants to hear from us. Tefillah creates a bond. And that's the key. Tefillah creates a bond because every time you pray, you're making a bond between you and Hashem. And the more you bond, the closer you get. The more you ask Hashem, the more you think of Hashem, the more you need Hashem, the bigger the bond between you. And that's why the bond between the baby and the mother is so close. Why? Because the baby can't do anything about the mother. The baby needs a mother. So the mother says, you need me, I'm here. The more you need me, the more I'm here. Right? The less you need me, the less I'm here. So the bond is there because of the need. The bond between us and Hashem is because of need. That's a very, very powerful idea. So tefillah creates a chibur, which creates a bond between us and Hashem. The other word, uh, the shorish of the word tefillah is very hard. It's tafel. It's tafel is low, right? Yeah. Who was named tafel? Who in the Chumash is named tafel? I'll give you a clue. Last week. Last week? What did Leah name her son? Naftali. Naftali. Oh. Was that Leah's son? Revenge Shimon Levi, you die. So yeah. Zulu. No, it's not Leah's no. son. Uh, Dan Naftali was uh, Bilha's son. Dan ve Naftali. Naftali was Bilha's son. So Rachel named him Naftali. Naftali Hashem Naftalti. Kam Yacholti. What did she say? It's a very strange language, she says. You know, it's very hard to translate. It's a very. Naftalti, uh, she says. My prayer was accepted. Niftalti comes word, it was accepted. Very strange, right? Tafel literally means ikar and tafel, the main thing and the not the main minor. thing. The minor thing. Minor. But over here it means it was, as the Onkelos translates, Niftalti, my prayer was accepted. My prayer is Naftali, she got Naftali. Rachel's prayer was accepted through her maidservant, Bilha. The prayer was accepted. So that's what it means. Tefillah comes with the word accepted. When you're talking to God, you're making a connection. When you're making a connection, Hashem is going to accept it. Amazing. That's amazing. Beautiful. So uh, we pray. We pray. Where do we learn Tefillah from? So number one, we learn it from our forefathers. Why? Abraham, it says, We came Abraham, a book. Abraham got up in the morning. Which Tefillah did Abraham invent? Shachari. Morning. And it says by Yitzchak, it says, Yitzchak lasuach erev. He goes out to chat in the fields towards the evening. Mincha. Who's he chatting to? Hashem. Lasuach There's no one else there. It was just Yitzchak. Lasuach basadeh. Imagine what a great idea. Meditation. He goes out in the middle of the field. It's beautiful, I'll tell you. I used to go in the summertime, you know, before I could afford to go to Israel, I would go to the Poconos, take my family to go to Poconos for a week. On the mountains, and you pray in the mountains. There's nothing mm-hmm. like it. You can't. You pray, and you see the beautiful vistas. Oh, there's no. Mm-hmm. The kavana is totally different. 
You know, it's interesting. In the synagogue, you need to, you have to have twelve windows. You have to have twelve windows in a synagogue. Oh, do you? Yeah, we have skylights, but not enough. <laughs> you need twelve windows in a synagogue. Why? Mm-hmm. You know that? No. Yeah. Twelve tribes. No, not twelve tribes. Very close. Twelve tribes. But the idea is that you have three in every direction. Uh-huh. That when you lose kavanah, you should be able to look at the sky. Okay. Because when you lose track of Hashem, when you look at the vista. Uh-huh. Around you, you're not allowed to look at street level because you get sidetracked. You think uh, what's going on? You're meant to look up. Meant, the windows are meant to be up on top. So when you, yeah. So when you look up, you'll see the sky and you remember Hashem. Mm-hmm. Because lose kavana. So that's why it's good to pray in an attic. I like praying in the attic. In the attic. In the attic. Why? Because you're close. You see the sky. You see the heavens. Mm-hmm. You see Shemaim. Yeah, closer to God when you see Shemaim. And where do we see this? Where do we see this in the Torah? Daniel! Where did Daniel pray? He prayed the window facing Yushalayim. Right. Why by the window? Yeah, so he's facing the sky. Twelve windows to face this. So you lose concentration, you look at the sky. Important. So your window should be high up, not, not uh, street level. Looking outside the street. It's the worst thing you can do if you're tefillah. So it's an idea of looking up and, and realizing the vistas, the beautiful vistas. You've got the Poconos, the mountains, the Galil. Sfat. Ooh, look at the vistas of Sfat. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Tiveria, I see the sea of Galil was. Beautiful. So why 12? Huh? Why 12? She said. 12 tribes. <laughs> but 12 is also a very important word. Why is 12 so important? There's 12 permutations of God's name. The 12, each of the 12 tribes are based on one permutation of God's name. Anyone over here mathematical over here? There are four, four letters in God's name, right? You'd cave up, Four letters in God's name. Four factorial. What is four factorial? Anyone know? No. Four times three times two. How many, how, many, how many ways can you arrange four different letters? Four times three times two, which is 24. But two letters are the same. You'd cave up, Hey, there's two hays over there. So you divide it by two. There's 12 different ways to arrange God's name. That means if you arrange you'd cave up, you can write it in 12 different ways. And each way is holy. You don't know that. People don't know that. The Kabbalists say each way you arrange God's name is holy. There are 12 different ways. And each tribe represents one of these ways of arranging God's name. It's wild. Wild. You can write God's name in 12 different ways. And each tribe has their own name. Mm-hmm. Right. That's wild. And that's also there's 12, 12, 12 stones on the breastplate. Right. So 12 is a very important number. 12 is a very important number. But just like anything in holiness, there's also in hollow holiness. You have 12 in holiness, and you have 12 in unholiness. Where do we find 12 children? Who had 12 children? Yaakov. Yeah, that's holiness. Where's the unholiness? Oh, unholiness? Yishmael. Yishmael. He had loads of children. 12. 12 sons. Right. You had 12 princes. 12 we have princes. no idea how many other Last week. Other. Last week's parasha, I told I, you, 12 princes. We have, no, we have no idea how many other women he had. Oh, that's the that's that's <laughs> first start. That was the start. The first generation was 12. First generation. Okay, so we learned from Abraham Venu. He fixed Shacharit. The rabbis learn that. Whoever fixes a place for his prayer, the God of Abraham is by his side. What does that mean? When you pray, you should pray in a fixed place. What does that mean? You should always pray in the same place. When you pray in the same place, you're being humble. You're saying the place is helping me as well. It's not just me. I can pray anywhere I want. No, the rabbis say, no. When you go to shul, try and get a fixed place in the shul. doesn't mean you have to fight with someone. <laughs> you know, the first, it says the first, uh, first words someone hears when they go to shul, you are sitting on my seat. Good, you're lucky. Uh, the, so never say that, never say that, never say that. 
Sit next to them. Right, exactly. Because you don't have to sit exactly in the same place. It's not where you sit, it's where you stand for your Shimon Asri. When you stand for Shimon Asri, that's the place you pray. But anywhere within six feet of that is also your place. Mm-hmm. It's also within six feet, so you don't have to push someone away and say, hey, you're standing in my place. Oh, get out of here. No, within the six feet is uh, that's good enough. What's referred to as Makom? Makom. A fixed place. Makom That's the language of the Gemara. Whoever fixes a place for their prayers, Abraham the God of Abraham is helping him. That's a beautiful one. Beautiful one. So, There's one problem. Right? So when you pray at home, you fix the place. I'm sure. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you can't always get, okay. Always okay. get my mom. Okay, it's not the problem. Okay, yeah, so you'll be humble. You you're humble. You but you're in the shul. You're in the yeah, same shul. Yeah, the same shul. Right. Unless you want to come here. So we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you fix a place. Fix a place. A person shouldn't wander from place to place and sit here and sit there. Try and fix your place. Of course, you can't to that place without troubling other people. And it's always good. People don't know that. It's always good if you can face a wall. So the closer you are to a wall, if you're praying at home, pray on the wall. Pray facing the wall because then you're not breaking your covenant. The wall is not in front of you. It's only a wall in front of you. No one walking in front, no distractions, no, no pictures, nothing on that wall. The wall is a clear wall. You pray facing the wall or you have a, a Mizrach picture. You shall lie over there, and you pray over there, facing the wall. That's beautiful. That's it. Huh? Yeah, you can pray anywhere. Just pray a fixed prayer. Wherever you pray, that's your place to pray. The best place to pray is a place where there's no distractions. No distractions. Plus, if there's a window looking up to the sky, that's ideal. That's ideal. So you put half a curtain on the bottom part, and you look up in the sky. It's really beautiful. You pray over there, facing the sky. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Really. Okay. The Gemara says, they say about a person who fixes a place to pray, what an anav, what a humble person. What a chassid, what a pious person. That's good. <laughs> a person who fixes a place to pray. In heaven, the angels are saying, wow, what a humble person, what a pious person. He's the center of Abraham Avinu. That's a big thing. So, uh, Bilam was the opposite. Bilam thought everything I can move around place to place. Build me an altar over here. Oh, it didn't work. Build me an altar over there. It doesn't work. Build me an altar over there. It doesn't work. So he kept moving around. The problem is not me, he said. It must be the place I'm in. The place must be bad. We say, no, it's not the place. It's you. So it doesn't matter where you pray. Just fix a place there, and it's all up to you now. Any place can work. If, you, if your mind is in tune with Hashem, any place can work. That's it. That's why, fix the place. But Bilam says, no, if it's, my prayer is not working, it's not because of me. It can't be me, it must be the place. So he kept moving around. We say, no, it's not the place, it's me. The place is always the same. On the other hand, there's a concept. You change your place, you change your luck. Very interesting. So maybe sometimes, maybe you're not praying the right place. So, But fix a place. Find the best place or fix a place. Okay. The Kuzari. Hey boy, excuse me. Yes. When you're... Uh, when you're in mourning, you have to change your place. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Right. What's the reasoning? Very good. So when a person is in mourning, their life is not the same. Uh-huh. The my life is not the same. It's different. There's a change in my life which made me different as well. I'm different as well. Everything around me is different. It's not and the you same thing. Usually place. move backwards, right? So yes, you move to a different place. Barminan, um, we should not know of mourning. 
but uh, that's uh, the concept is that to feel different. We do feel different. It's not just feeling different; it's also being different, acting mm-hmm. different, and showing our life is not the same. So it's a kind of showing without this person, my life is different. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough issue, very tough issue. Morning is the worst. It's like it's painful. It's very painful. So fixing the place to pray is very important. Bilam was the opposite. Bilam said it's the place. The place is at fault, not me. We say, no, the place is fine. You have to cover now. The place is always the same. You have to cover now. The Kuzari. Rabbi Huda uh, HaLevi. Right? The Kuzari. You know the Kuzari? Rabbi Huda HaLevi. Very famous Rabbi Huda HaLevi. Libibi Mizrach. My heart is in the, in the east and I am in the, in the west. The Kuzari. Uh, he says, Tfilah for the soul three times a day is like food for the body. Spiritual nourishment is through Atfilah. person feels down spiritually. What do you do? Pray. Pray. Tehillim. And you'll find your day will be boosted. Your day will be boosted because you're getting your spiritual nourishment. It's ensure. It's ensure for the soul. It's ensure for the soul. It's very concentrated. Ensure for the soul. Three times a day. It's nourishment for the Neshama. Rav Elia. Rav Elia Kaplan says when he was a little boy in the shtetl, life was difficult. People lived because there were Jews who were praying with sincerity. Now, there's a misconception, and that is, I don't bother Hashem. I have small little issues. Why trouble Hashem? I'll manage without us bothering Hashem. I don't trouble Hashem. No, wrong. Everything. Trouble Hashem with everything, because you're building, you're not just troubling Hashem. You're building your relationship. You're building your relationship. Very, very important. It's not troubling Hashem. Hashem, nothing's trouble for Hashem. Everything's easy for Hashem. It's just building our relationships. Every little excuse to build a relationship, build a relationship. Every little question you have, you go to your father. Why? I want to build a relationship with daddy. I want, I want to be on the call with daddy. I want to be on the phone with daddy. I want, to be daddy. I want my mommy to be around me. I want to build a relationship with mommy. So every little thing. So I'll go my father in heaven. And that's a misconception. It's not true. Mishlei says, Know him in all your ways. In all your ways, know him. In all your ways. Whatever he gives you, know him. He will straighten out your road. Every little thing in your life, tell Hashem. He knows about it anyway. So tell him, talk to him. Talk to Hashem. When a person prays, he should ask for success in all matters. Because our success is all dependent on Hashem. Hashem is the one who fixes a person's success. And it's amazing. Hashem has, Hashem has limitless power. Limitless power. Imagine, you can tap into limitless power. If you want to tap into limitless power... We have the ability to tap into limit. Amazing. It's a, what an amazing ability. We can tap into tremendous power and energy by praying to Hashem, by tapping into And the person's got to think about it. Hashem is limitless. Hashem is all-powerful. Hashem is Ainsof. Hashem is, can give me without blinking. Hashem give me this and blink. Without blinking, boom. It's amazing. See the power of Hashem. The power of Hashem is amazing. So the other misconception is, who am I to tell Hashem what to do? Well, I'm going to tell him what to do. Hashem, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Hashem's boss all of a sudden. He's the genie of the magic lamp. Tell me, is God the genie of the magic lamp? So it's an interesting question. So the answer is, the person is going to say it with humility. Hashem, please, if you don't mind. If it's good, if it's, if it's good for me. Always add that caveat, if it's good for me. Because yeah. we know what's good for us. We think it's good. This is good for us. This is good for us. This is good for us. Hashem, it's good for me. Please give me this. Give me. So it's got to be said with humility. And that's, you see how the tzaddikim pray with humility. They don't pray. Give me this. Why is that? 
It's very dangerous. That was Choni Amagel. Who was Choni Amagel? He used to draw a circle around himself. Remember that story? Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Mishnah says in Tanit. It's a Mishnah in Tanit. It talks about rain. It didn't rain. And Choni Amagel made a circle on the ground. And he said, Hashem, I'm not leaving the circle until it make it rain. What happened? It started dripping. Hashem, I didn't pray for this rain. I want real rain. I'm not leaving this circle. Okay, it started pouring. And people started getting scared. It's flooding. Choni is flooding over here. Hashem, I didn't pray for this rain. I want rain of blessing. And finally, it was beautiful rain. <laughs> and uh, the chief rabbi at that time, I can't remember, Rabbi Yochanan, I'm not sure. He says, if he wasn't Choni, I would put him in Kherim. <laughs> I would excommunicate him because the way he talked to God was chutzpahdik. A person not allowed to pray to God and say, you go, you got to do this for me. I mean, does not do anything for you. They're asking God with humility. So that's the idea. The idea is when we pray to God, we're not demanding. We're not demanding. You know, there's stories, Hasidic stories of people who demanded Mashiach should come now. Remember that? What happened to them? They all died. Within a year, they all, all these great rabbis, all these great rabbis died within a year. So, uh, so a person cannot demand. We ask with humility, please, Hashem, give us to us. Please, Hashem, help us. And that's, uh, okay, and that's important. Okay, we have to go more into the detail next week. Israel Hashem, same time, same channel. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.